0: Well, good evening, everybody, and we welcome you into this week's edition of Behind the Bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Glad to have you with us. And this week, we go behind the St. Louis Blues bench with Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan. Of course, back with the Blues now for his second season. He originally was with the Blues as a player, his first team in the National Hockey League. We really haven't had a chance to catch up with Mike other than what has been my honestly my favorite segment of the radio broadcast is after a blues win when mike joins us just the immediate reaction of what went on um I, I think i think joe vitale gets tired of me saying it's my favorite segment but it is so aside from those we haven't really had much of a chance to catch up with mike and get into uh how the transition went from playing to coaching and some of the people that he played with over his career so we're gra- glad to be able to do it here throughout the broadcast tonight again it's the boardwalk Harbor floors behind the bench show mike thanks for joining us how are you right now
1: I'm doing uh, doing pretty good, Curbs. You know, I'm just uh, trying to stay busy, keep the mind active, and hoping, like everybody else, that we're going to start up again.
0: Are you able to draw on the experience of having been a player during the O four, oh five lockout to some extent in in terms of how you're able to kind of manage through this mentally?
1: Uh, well, I didn't have kids then, so that's that's, <laughs> that's a big a difference. Yet yeah, no learning. Um, you know, I, to, to come uh, to think of it, no, I, I haven't really thought about it. Um, cause it's a lot different. Like as a player, you're trying to do everything you can to keep your body, uh, in the best shape you can, uh, you know, cause you're, you're thinking you're going to go back to work where right now for me, more or less, it's just thinking, you know, more system wise or opponent wise, you know? Um, you know, it's difficult right now because we don't know who we're going to play. We don't know if it's going to be regular season. You don't know if it's going to be playoffs or who you might get or what format. So it's tough, you know, Um, you know, so for me right now, it's more mental than it is physical for the players right now. It's more physical. So, um, you know, I wish we could get some clarity so we could really start busting down some film and getting some game plans going. But uh, you know, right now you're just trying to think and, and analyze. Is there anything you could do better, or are there any small, uh, subtle changes you could make that that might be able to improve your team?
0: Mike, what are you missing most about coaching right now? Is it the the mental part of breaking down film and game planning, or is it even just a, just the interaction and the coaching of, of the players day to day?
1: Well, uh, it, it's probably. A little bit of everything, not to you know dance around your question, but I kind of miss the grind um to tell you the truth like i I like you know the you know having to try to find a way in a back to back or you know playing an opponent you just played and you didn't you didn't play them as good as you 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 would have liked to have, so you're looking for a little change that you might be able to make or trying to do something you know introduce something new to the guys to get them you know excited about you know a little subtle change or a new way to create offense or something like that you know i i miss the grind i like that i enjoy that and i think most coaches would say the same thing that they enjoy that portion of the game the chess match and trying to you know, find a new way to do something. Um, you know, so I, for me, it'd be the grind. Obviously, you you love the camaraderie, but, you know, like as far as the coaching staff, we still talk, and I'm still talking to my defensemen now. Um, but that in-game or kind of the leading up to the game, I, I miss that.
0: You know, a lot has been made over the last year or so about the, the close-knit group of this team and really a culture that, it started with Ken Hitchcock and the players, David Backus, TJ Oshie, and then you know Patrick Berglund. We're all part of starting to build a culture that, that created when players come in of, of a close knit group, and it culminated a season ago with the Stanley Cup championship. But for those that don't get to see you guys behind the scenes or on a plane or maybe in a hotel lobby, the coaching staff is a pretty tight knit group too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we are. Um... You know, when we got, we have been since day one, since I got here, I, I didn't know really any of the guys, uh, any of the coaches, uh, you know, I knew Mike Yeo from before, um, you know, having coached in the minors when he was the the head coach of the, of the big club in Minnesota, but I didn't know anybody, but I mean, it happened quick. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, they're, you know, our, our fans know Chief and they, they know Otter and and Dave, they know how colorful these guys are, and, and they're a lot of fun to be around. And, you know, that's the biggest thing. And then that's something that, you know, and, and obviously Sean Farrell, but the, the coming to the rink every day is fun. And, and that's something that you hear our players say, but that's actually something that our coaching staff says. And, and you don't get to, like, hear it from coaches a lot. Right. It, it can be tough to be in a room with four guys because you don't always have the same point of view on everything. And we probably argue more than the players do, (laughs) Um, you know, and it, and it's something where our, our group, you know, we have differences sometimes, but there's always a level of respect and we always do it in a fun way. And we're always laughing in our room, enjoying being together. And that's something that you don't get a lot, uh, especially in the coaching world. And I don't know how many people would be honest about that, but, um, we love it, and we love working together. And, uh, you know, that, that just, you know, you, you come up with better ideas, you work that much harder, you, uh, you know, you want to be around each other to bounce things off each other. You know, it, it works for us, and, and we enjoy being with each other, and, and I think it, you know, it, it helps, um, you know, come up with ideas, and, and it helps, uh, you know, create a culture and keep a culture going uh, that has been established in the room with the players as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I, it's funny that you say that. I I look back at some coaching staffs, not, not, not just necessarily with the St. Louis Blues, but whether some of the teams I, I was with in the minor leagues. And th- there was always kind of the look ahead. So assistant coaches wanting, obviously, at some point in time, to be given a chance to be a head coach somewhere. Uh, whether, you know, you're assistant on one team in the East Coast Hockey League, you get a chance to be a head coach in that same league, or maybe a head coach in a different league, whatever it may be. Um, and, and I'm sure that you know that's in the the back of guys' heads. But this whole group really just seems to be kind of focused on the task at head and then whatever comes their way comes their way. It's uh, a, and, and, yeah. and that does permeate into the room, I would think.
1: Yeah, it it and and like everything, well, not everything, but it starts with the leadership. It starts, you know, with the players. But you know, we all know it. You know how Chief is, and and that's one thing with Chief is he does, If it's a good idea, we're going to do it. And you know, there's nobody. There's no. We say it all the time. You know, like the, it's all about the team in our in our room, and that's it's team first on everything. And and I know everybody says that, and and it's, but that's the difference. Is if you actually do believe in that and you adhere by it, um, it makes all the difference in the world. Guys do it, but they do it. You know, they're one foot in, one foot out. You know, and they say that they are, but they're not. And with our group, that is something that we are from top to bottom. And it starts with chief and it goes through our, our leadership group and all of our players in our room. And, and, we're always honest with each other. And there's no, there's no personal agendas. There's no, you know, trying to make uh, one guy a bigger than the team. It's if there's something we should be doing. We do it. If there's something that isn't done the right way, it's addressed and we fix it. And, uh, you know, that, um, level level of honesty, um, you know, is what allows you to be a good team, and allows you to become a close team, and allows you to become a close coaching staff.
0: All right, oh, now I know when your playing career was just getting started, and, and we'll get into the, the some of the early days of your playing career. But just staying along these lines for another minute or two, when your playing career for, as, I'm sorry, folks, we're talking with Mike Van Ryan. He's, he's the assistant coach of the St. Louis Blues, and uh, and of course started his career as a player with the Blues. When your career was just getting started, Craig Berube's was ending. Steve Otts was going. Do you remember playing against these guys at all?
1: Uh, I kind of, like, missed Chief uh, a little bit. Um, I knew who he was, obviously. Um, but Otter and I, we played against each other in juniors. So, I mean, that, that was a, we. I knew what to <laughs> <I> expect. <knew what laughs> so to that goes way back. Public i'd seen that act before uh it was it was uh you know but there was always a level of you know like i didn't play otter a lot you know like right. it it you know I, I played most of my career in the in the east uh in florida and, and then at the end in toronto so we didn't cross paths a lot um you know but it it uh yeah, you, know, you know the hockey world, it's small. you got lots of stories and stuff like that. Um, you know, and you know the same guys. So I mean, we have pretty fun conversations. But as far as like going head to head, you know, I had that more with Otter and he was he's a bit younger than me. He was coming in the league, and we all hated him already. He was under our skin uh, from day one. Um, you know, ultimate agitator. And uh, you know what, though? What an unbelievable teammate. And I think everybody knows that about Otter, and he's an unbelievable coach, too. Uh, But just a great person, and and so is Chief, and I'm, you know, dancing around this one. But, you know, I I love my coaching staff and and the players, and and that's what, uh, you know, helps us win.
0: What do you remember about Steve Ott uh, from juniors? Ah, uh, he was young. He was a he was he was a good player from
1: day one. I did play against him a lot. He was in Windsor and I was in Surrey. I was actually coached by Mark Hunter. Um but anyway, so he he, he uh you know, you know how the Hunters are, are bred. Yeah. Um so a lot of the stuff Otter did didn't didn't sit well with with, <laughs> with our coach. Um and uh, you know but but was a great player as a young guy and actually, you know, uh, was actually a goal scorer. You know, he put up a lot of numbers uh, in right. junior hockey. I don't know how many people knew that, but you know, and kind of always had that agitating role, um, which kind of became more of his calling card in the NHL. But um, you know, was a guy that just worked hard and, and played hard. And you know, I was an older guy, so I didn't we didn't really mix mix it up too much. But um, you know, my, my teammates hated him. Um, just because he was so good at what he did, and uh, he was effective at it, and uh, you know, but but was a real all around player.
0: Yeah. Full disclosure, uh, we're profiling Steve next week, so I'll pull that clip for him and and let him uh, <laughs> and let him Because you're right. I mean, look, he was a 50 goal scorer one year in junior hockey, yeah. and was, I mean, and some people because and especially his career started back in, in 2002 in that area. Uh, but you know, yeah. by the time he came to the Blues, kind of his role really transformed into a different role in the NHL. I mean, this is a guy that had scored 20 goals in the NHL before, but he was he was originally a first-round draft pick of the Dallas Stars.
1: Yes, and you know what? It was a guy that played on the power play. You know, got, got some time playing that front there with the Stars. Um, you know, and I think that's what people usually tend to remember more, unfortunately, is the end of your career. And they forget kind of what some of the stuff you did when you were younger. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's why he's a good coach because he's, he's he's done everything. You know, you, you if you've been on the power play and you've been on a PK and you've been, a, you know, a guy that's provides scoring and then you have to morph into playing more of a defensive role, you know, you learn all the areas of the game. And when you're talking to players, you're talking to them firsthand. It's not just, well, I've seen this on video and this is what they do. You know, it's like, no, I, I've been in your shoes. I know – you know, what you were thinking here. And uh, don't worry, I made that same mistake, you know. And and you can relate to them a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I think his playing career has really helped him because he's kind of touched all facets of the game.
0: Well, we're talking with Mike Van Ryan, Blues Assistant Coach, as we profile him this week on uh, this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home, Better selection, better value, and the best service. You can increase the style and value of your home with the new hardwood floors. I've just done some work in uh, in my basement, finishing a basement, and I put the Boardwalk hardwood floors in my basement as well. So they are locally owned, a family owned, doing work in our business for more than on our city for more than 22 years. Three area showrooms are just going to start opening up. Give them a call at 314 730 3100. You can shop online at boardwalkhardwood.com as well. We'll take a quick break, come back right in a moment as we continue with Blues Assistant Coach Mike Van Ryan. And hey, welcome back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you this week. We come your way every Wednesday night, 6 to 8 p.m. and. If you missed any of these shows, you can log on to 101ESPN.com. The shows are podcasted there, and we've profiled anyone from Scotty Bowman to Red Berenson to Bruce Affleck to uh, Craig Berube, Al Arbor. Now we're talking with Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan. And Mike, earlier uh, in the program, one of a few weeks ago, we had a chance, and I actually had to extend the show an extra 10 minutes because Red Berenson was so doggone amazing to talk to. You played with him. <laughs> or for him at the University of Michigan. How did you decide as a kid growing up kind of in that, that Toronto Mecca area there in in London, how did you decide to go the college route first versus the junior route?
1: Well, I mean, I can't lie. That that was, you know, strongly encouraged by my parents. Uh, My mom works for three. I'm in the medical field. So she was, uh, very pro school um you know she was worried with my love of hockey that um if I went to junior hockey at that time which you know it, it's different you know junior hockey now we we are pretty hard on the kids about going to school and getting their degrees at at the time when I was going through that wasn't the case so my parents were worried that I might not work so hard in the school might not always attend so uh they said the only way for him to really do well in school is to go to school so um you know we went and visited we had a family friend mike like who actually scored that lacrosse goal that everybody talks about now yeah i have a michigan is from london he was a guy that had me go down there and take a visit and uh you know and i fell in love with it um i didn't know red i didn't know mel or, or billy powers the guys that that the assistant coaches um you know, and and I expressed interest in it, and uh, obviously they wanted, you know, or not obviously, but they they obviously wanted me to come um, to the school. So I I went down and, and watched games and fell in love with the atmosphere. Yost Arena is incredible. If you've never been, um, you know, it, it just the Channing fans, uh, you know, the the, kid, the the student body there, how in, you know involved they get into the game and the band. It was just. I, I fell in love with it and had goosebumps and was like, "Man, this is where I want to play." Uh, at the time, Michigan was very good. Um, you know, they they had some unbelievable teams. Um, were always kind of pushing for the national championship, um, and then obviously there was Red and uh, my dad, being a hockey fan, never played, but but uh, you know, was was an avid hockey fan, watching the game, knew who Red was, and. Uh, when we went and talked to Red, I mean, he is such a bright man, um, you know, and, and uh, just a great role model from talking to players and the parents there. My parents, it's, you know, they, they just trusted him. They just said, this is this is a perfect role model. This is a perfect guy, you know, to coach and help, you know, continue to mold you into a man. And um, so it was It just every every box was checked. Everything was, you know, it just seemed like the perfect fit. Uh, I could go there and and you know they had a spot for me where I could play right away. Um, and it, it it was a fit and I got lucky enough to win a national championship my first year there and uh, you know later on became roommates with Bob Gassov jr uh, who's you know one of my best friends today still so, um, you know, just it was a great experience. It, it just seemed like the perfect place to go. It was only three out three hours from my hometown as well, so my parents could go all the time to watch games, which was a plus. So, like I said, everything just it seemed like the perfect fit. Um, you know, and, and I just had an unbelievable experience with a uh, with a great group of
0: guys. You know, I was going back and I looked at that that team your your first year at Michigan. By the way, you're right about Yost Arena. I did. I broadcasted a couple of games there when I was still a student, but doing the broadcasting for Miami's hockey team. They, were, Miami and Michigan folks, are in the same league at the time, the CCHA. And you went into Yost Arena, and I still thought one of the greatest cheers I have ever seen is when they put the opposing player in the penalty box, and the whole crowd is going <laughs> "oh!" And the moment the the door to the penalty box shuts. They all yell, yeah. see ya. And I thought, I, th- I mean, that had me laughing my butt off. I-, I thought it was one of the best crowd cheers I'd ever heard.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's funny because, you know, the veterans, you know, the guys like the seniors and the juniors, sometimes they'll think like they're going into the box and they'll take a step back to try to get the crowd, you know, they'll try to get them, get uh, you know, off a point. So uh, it-, it was always fun to see that happen, but it is. And I mean, and they have so many. I mean, they're they're chanting, you know, the whole game, and they're on the goalie, and they're, I mean, it, it's electric. And, uh, you know, that was something I'd never seen or heard of until um, we went to the game. And it was, you know, I think I was watching the fans more than I actually watched the game the first time I went. But it, it uh, you know, it, it definitely is unique. And it definitely, if, if, you know, if people are ever in that area, I, I would strongly encourage them to go to a game and just see what it's all about.
0: You guys won that national championship and going through that roster, there was not a lot of players that really went on to long NHL careers. I mean, Marty Turco, obviously one that he had, he had a a really good NHL career. Bill Muckalt played for a little while, but not a lot of others.
1: No. um, We actually had nine freshmen, I believe, in that game too. Wow. Eight and nine. Uh, We had 10 in our entire class. Yeah. So that's a lot, but we, I think we had eight or nine in the national championship game. And I think we only had three seniors. So it, it was, uh, you know, it was Marty Turco's show. I mean, we can't (laughs) lie. I mean, we knew if we could score two goals, we might win. If we got three, we probably were going to win just because he was so good. Um, You know, and, and, you know, that was a team too, where, You know, we peaked kind of late, and I can't lie; it was something that, when you know, we were going through what we were going through in St. Louis, that was something that I that I, you know, called back on was that experience. You know, we had ten guys; we had new all these new guys come in, and what was different was Red was telling us how bad we were going to be because we had ten freshmen, and we kind of took that to heart. I think it was his way of motivating us, if you know, Red. Right. Um, but you know what's different in St. Louis, we brought in a whole bunch of new faces, and you know you're bringing in high-end free agents. So you know you're thinking things are just gonna take off right away. But the similarity was it was it was kind of slow, you know in in both regards. And uh, it took us a while to get going in Michigan like it did in St. Louis. And you know what? Our team just became closer and closer, the freshmen, just like our team did last, you know did did last year too. And uh, then the ball just kept rolling and kept rolling. And we got in the playoffs and it kept rolling. And Marty Turco and Bennington were basically the same, where, you know, right. they were shutting the door when they had to shut the door. Um, and we were finding ways to score. So it was very similar. And it actually happened in Boston. Oh, <laughs> so, no kidding. So it, it was very similar. Surreal for me. It was very, you know, it, it was kind of neat. At times, I was telling myself, going into Game Seven, like, can can I really go two for two or be a part of two championships in Boston? Like, what's the likelihood of this? You know, and uh, it's kind of ironic that both times if I've gotten to take part in a championship game in Boston, we won.
0: And, and and they both happen to be in Boston. That is fantastic. Now, what was mm-hmm. the? Do you remember exactly what the loophole was? Uh, you originally drafted in the first round, the 26th overall pick in 1998 by the New Jersey Devils, but you didn't play for them. You ended up signing as a free agent with the St. Louis Blues. How did that come about? What's your memory of that?
1: Well, um... You know, Newport had obviously the, the the loophole and all that. That had a lot, and that we could talk about that on a whole another show. You know, with all the stuff that went on with that. But well, what, what, um, what
0: can you can you can well, give us a synopsis of what the loophole was?
1: Well, it, I went back and played a year of junior. Um, you know, it had a bit to do with my agent. It had a bit to do, probably, with the players' association. Um, back then, when I was in college. If you're drafted by an NHL team, you were home until you were, I believe it was 31 years old. So basically, you were at the NHL team's mercy. Um, You know, if you uh, were unsigned and you were done playing college, or or, sorry, you were unsigned and you were done playing junior, uh, you basically either one, if you're young enough, you went back into the draft, or two, uh, if you're older, you became a free agent. So, I I was older, I became a free agent, uh, ended up signing in in St. Louis. So, a big part of that was my agent was also Chris Pronger and Al McInnes' agent. So, um, you know, there's no better place for me to go, they felt, being a young guy, uh, was to go into St. Louis and and learn firsthand from those guys. Because, you know, as much as your coaches help, uh, your teammates are are some of your best coaches. Um, So, uh, you know, and it just so happened that I, I was lucky enough to play uh, when I was in St. Louis to play alongside Chris Pronger as my partner. So that was something kind of special and, and uh, you know, learn a lot and still a good friend with him. But that was kind of how that happened. Um, you know, I think it came down to St. Louis, L.A., and I think the Rangers and Columbus were the last four teams I was negotiating with for deciding where to go. And uh, ultimately decided on St. Yeah, and, I guess uh, I guess if you... it was longer, but uh, <laughs> things happen, and and uh, but it was a great time over there, obviously.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess if you're trying to make a decision and going into a situation where your defense partner ends up being pronger, you've you've made the right call.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It <laughs> was some of the easiest hockey I played, and as I tell people, I said like that's just. Uh, you know, the importance of your teammates and, you know, how easy you can make the game on each other, you know, and, and that's what he did for me. When I lost him as a partner, the game got exponentially harder. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was the easiest hockey I played. You're in trouble, just give it to Bronx, you know. That's all he did So it was, it was, it was easy.
0: That's fantastic. We're talking with Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan. It's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. A little more on his playing career before we get into his coaching career. When we come back here, you're listening to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show, coming your way every single Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. And we bring you back into this week's edition of the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Carver with you, and we're pleased to be joined uh, the, for the whole show by Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan, who started his career with the St. Louis Blues. Now, your first game in the National Hockey League was in the 2000-2001 season. That was my first year with the Blues. You played one game, I, I, and I'll but blunt honesty, I had to look up the game, but it was against the Arizona Coyotes and in Arizona. What do you remember about your first National Hockey League game?
1: The first game, the first period was great. I was excited. It, was, it went really well. And then the train came off the tracks after that. Uh, <laughs> I think I ended up minus two. Uh, you know, it was just a tough night. We lost the game. Um, you know, I came out of the lineup and, uh, didn't go back in, went down to the minors. I had a good, real good training camp and it got me that first game. And, and then I went down at that point. That was kind of the model. That's kind of what we all did. Uh, Barrett Jackman, uh, myself, uh, Matt Walker, um, we all went down to the minors and played and that was kind of what happened during that era. You know, there wasn't right. a lot of guys who just came in and played. Uh, you went down to the minors. You learned what it was like to be a pro. You learned to be a good, you know, a, a good pro teammate. You learned to make your mistakes down there that didn't cost the big club. Um, the game was played differently. It was a chess match. There wasn't, you know, I mean, some of these games now almost looks like shinny hockey, end to end stuff. Um, that wasn't the way the game was played then. So, you know, I had a lot to learn coming out of college and it just showed, you know, in that first game, you know, I got by for the first 20 minutes, but that next, the next 40 after that were quite difficult. And, uh, you know, it's hard as a young defenseman to play in the league. It was hard then. It's even hard now. Um, so I had to go down to the minors and learn my craft and, and, uh, it was great for me. I, 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 I think the minors are a good thing for hockey players.
0: How, Okay, it, not only just trying to develop it, and when I've talked to Tyle McKinnis to Chris Pronger, to, to many other defensemen that have played in the National Hockey League, they talk about it taking a while to, to really develop and that game grows. And shoot, I mean, even we're seeing that with, with a guy like, like Colton Pareko right now. But having said that, how much and how hard, though, were the early career injuries you dealt with in terms of getting through those just to continue to get back on the ice to get that development going? You, you dealt with some injuries those first few years.
1: Well, I did. And that was I mean, that was a big part of probably why, you know, I, I was traded. Um, just to get a new you know, a a new shot. And uh you know, my I I, I had a lot of shoulder issues, um, you know, throughout my tie actually in juniors through um you know, my time in Saint Louis and uh you know, it, it's mental. Um, you know, you get through it. Um, you know, at, at the time for me, it, it just, it was frustrating always trying to prove yourself. You know, it, it, it just, it, that's the hard part, you know, and climbing the ladder. You know, when, 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 when I came in nothing in, in this league, and not to say it's given now, but you get your shot a little easier. You know, teams aren't so scared to put a 18-, 19-, 20-year-old in a situation. Um, you know, I think they try to – we try to put players in scenarios where they'll succeed and we try to help them out. Uh, when I was coming through, it was a little more like you earned your way. You know, nothing you, – you, you know, like they – the team was sure you were ready to play before you got your, your shot. And that's what was, was hard because the hockey player, you tend to believe in yourself usually more than anybody else does. And so it's frustrating because you want that chance, you want that chance, and it's just not coming. So the mental side of it to keep yourself going and keep grinding away and keep trying to push to get better and working hard at practice, that's something that you got to fight through. And some players can, and some players couldn't. Um, you know, and uh, for me, that was just something that I fought. And you know, in, in St. Louis, I finally got it, and and I played really well alongside Chris Pronger for 40 games. And then that next season, I struggled uh, in my next year. And uh, that that wasn't anybody's fault other than my own. Um, you know, I just I just lost my confidence, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't anybody's fault. I just, it happens to guys. And I had to get old, overcome that. And I did uh, after I got traded because I just, I stopped worrying about things. I just said, hey, how did that work for me in St. Louis? I was worried about every little thing. And I was overthinking playing the game. And I, and that's, you know, I was older at that point. I think I was 22 or 23 by the time I got dealt. And, uh, you know, I just played at that point. I just said, I'm just going to play the game and enjoy the game. And, you know, I had a couple of really good seasons there in Florida after that when I kind of just, you know, I just played and stopped worrying about everything.
0: Yeah, healthy seasons as well. What was it like yeah. on the bench with the St. Louis Blues when Jimmy Roberts is tapping Al McKinnis to go out and play 30 minutes, and then he goes and he hits with his other hand, Chris Pronger, to go out and play 30 minutes, and there was the rest of the game for the other four of you?
1: go well, yeah, That's why I was lucky that I played with him <laughs> I really out there as long as it wasn't special teams. So somehow Jimmy found ice time for me. Like I never felt like I didn't play enough. And I knew that the minutes I was playing were crucial minutes for our team. You know, obviously when you're playing against the other team's top lines, you got to shut them down. And, you know, I wasn't worried about scoring. I just, you know, I, I, I was more worried about trying to do my job and, and get that next shift and, you know, try to help the team out that way. But, it, you know, because it, 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 I played with Chris, it wasn't that hard for me. You know, I think it was harder for the guys that played in the, you know, the five, six positions. But that coaching staff did an unbelievable job spreading stuff out. You know, I think everybody kind of had a role. You know, our bottom guys killed penalties. Obviously, Chris and Al were on the power play, and they weren't really coming off anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but you all knew you had your, your roles, and and that team was bought into that. We knew the only way to win was, you know, what it was to execute that, and that, that's how our team was when we won here. But, um, you know, they, they just did a great job, and and Joel's great at that. I mean, Joel Quindle's... Joel you know, he, he changes his lines as much as anybody in the NHL. A guys playing well, he moves up. A guy's playing bad, he moves down. I mean, you know, he'll pick on you know one guy's you know if he thinks he's going to score, he's going to move him up and, and try to let him score. That coaching staff was unbelievable at that, and and so was Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy Roberts was uh, he was one of my favorite coaches I ever played for, and I didn't even get to play for him that long, but he he just he just told you what you needed to know. Never overcomplicated the game. Just he trusted you and he let you play. And, you know, I think a lot of coaches struggle with that. That's one thing that we actually try to try not to do with our guys. We try to let them play too. But Jimmy was really the the first coach and one of the only coaches that I had that, that kind of did that. Um, so that, that staff was – they were really good. And, uh, you know, I, I try to take a lot of stuff away from what they did and I try to use it in my own coaching style.
0: When did, when did you know or start to think that coaching would be the next step in your career?
1: Well, I didn't. I didn't even think about it till I till I retired. I mean, I, I, you know, I, my knees. I had an osteotomy, so my leg was basically cut in half and put back together. Became knock kneed because um, I had no cartilage left, so I needed knee replacement. So, anyways, it, it kind of came to a screeching halt. I was in Toronto, and I was playing really well, and I thought, man, I found another home like I had in Florida. I was there for six years or something like that in Florida. I thought, oh, this is great. Brian Burke loves me. Ron Wilson likes me. This is great. And it became, and it, it just happened. Like it, it, I had a real freak injury, and my career was plagued by them, unfortunately. There's some guys that are lucky. Some guys that aren't. I wasn't. Um, and it gigs just it ended and I didn't know what to do. I was sitting at home and I was like, man, I, I just turned 30, so I was still young. I thought I was gonna play because I could skate. I thought I was gonna play till I was you know 36. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was sitting at home and I was bored. I remember driving around in the tractor mowing grass thinking man, this sucks you know I, I gotta do I gotta get back in the game like this this isn't enough excitement for me. And uh, a job opened up in the OHL as an assistant coach. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to go try it for a year and see. Because when I played, I watched a lot of video on my own. They they didn't do a lot of video sessions when I played. We did, but not a ton. And there wasn't a lot done individually. I used to go in and do it myself. I'd go in and grab the video coach's computer pull up my shifts and I'd watch my own stuff or I'd watch, I knew I was going to go into Tampa. I'd watch what Vinny Cavalier and what Martin St. Louis are doing because they're going to do stuff different than what the system is. You know, you'll read the system sheet in the room. You'll watch the tape, but they got little things that they do different. And so I would watch that stuff. So I watched a lot of film as a player. So it just seemed fitting that I'd, I'd go into coaching. I never thought I would. But when I got dealt that hand of cards and I couldn't play anymore, And I didn't know what to do, and I was too young to sit back and do nothing. Um, I said, oh, I might as well try it, and I ended up loving it. I I absolutely loved it in that first year, and then, you know, it just evolved. But I I got lucky. I went into a great scenario in Niagara in the OHL, and a guy, Marty Williamson, who was a real good junior coach and a real good uh, GM in the OHL uh, and a veteran guy, so he had been around, and he just let me be. He kind of, you know, he'd give me small tips here and there, but he kind of let me find my way, and he kind of would just help me around. But he had a huge influence on, uh, you know, and, and getting me going and, and helping me find a love for it right away. You know, he didn't he didn't take my confidence from me. He tried to help me and encourage me to become a better coach, and and uh, you know, he gave me that love for it. And you know, I, and I once I got into it, I knew that that this was great. It, it gave me those. The highs and the wins and the losses and, uh, you know, the grinding. And and I've always enjoyed the chess match of hockey. So um, it just seemed like a natural fit.
0: Well, and it's a natural fit that led to a Stanley Cup championship. We'll get into that next. We're talking with Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan here on the Boardwalk Harbor Floors Behind the Bench Show. We'll be back for one more segment here in just a moment on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. And one final time, we bring you back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Ben show. Chris Kerber with you here tonight, every Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. on our flagship station here in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Don't forget, the show brought to you every week by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. They've got great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. You take my word for it. I put Boardwalk Hardwood Floors in my home. I love it. The Boardwalk uh, is a local family-owned business doing quality work in our community for more than 22 years. Three area showrooms not open yet. Actually, their St. Peter's one is open now. But give them a call at 314-730-3100 and shop online at BoardWalkHardwood.com. We've been joined this hour by Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan, who is down in Florida during this pandemic stretch, just waiting for the call like everybody else is to get back at it. Hopefully that does come soon. Mike, when we took that last break, we started to get into your coaching career after a couple years with the Houston Aeros you went back to the OHL eventually became the head coach there that led to the head coaching job with the Tucson Roadrunners in the American Hockey League what was your first head coaching like experience in pro hockey uh
1: it was uh, it was unbelievable i mean it it uh, we had the youngest team in the age AH all that year so it was kind of a weird year uh going in Um, You know, when we sat down with John Chica and Steve Sullivan and we were, you know, trying to map out the year, it was like, listen, we got a super young team. We got some young players that need to play. We want them to play in crucial situations. Um, And let's just get them as much ice as we can and try to develop them the best we can. Because in Arizona, we all know there's not a lot of money there to go around. So you need these young kids to play and they need to play well. Um, and they need to be ready to play at the NHL level if they want to win. Um, so the mandate, you know, was pretty simple. You know, get them out on the ice, let them play, try to develop them the best you can. And, you know, what, well, we did that. And then it ended up, you know, we ended up having a, you know, a, a pretty good year. And, and, you know, we're like, oh, well, let, let's try to win a little bit more. So now you start, you know, kind of coaching the situations a little bit more, Um, you know, now it's not free ice so much anymore. Now you're kind of, you know, rewarding guys, taking a bit away, stuff like that. Um, and you know, we got in got in the playoffs, which was something that we didn't think was going to happen. We ended up winning our conference that year was something that we didn't think was ever going to happen because we were so young. And you know what? It it just was a great culture. Uh, I enjoyed going to the rink every day. Uh, the players were unbelievable to be around, and they worked extremely hard. Um, and uh, my family loved being there, so that it just everything was was really good. And uh, along the way, you got to coach against guys like Dallas Eakins, and and you know some guys that had been in the NHL, and some of them who had been NHL head coaches. So it, you know, it tested you a bit. You know, I was a young guy; I'd only ever been a head coach in the OHL before um so it, it tests you you know there, there's you it pushes you and, and I really enjoy that there's you know, not try and overcome and like you like I had to try to do in my NHL career you know you're trying to find ways all the time uh ways to get better ways to improve and and I just got lucky that I had a lot of good talent on that team my young players did a did a great job for us but it uh it was neat, um, and it uh, it pushed me to become a better coach. I think all coaches should eventually become head coaches at a certain level, uh, just because everything falls on you, all the decisions you make, everything you know, it comes back to you. So it, it's always, I think every coach should become a head coach at some point, and uh, you know, it just pushes you to be better. But uh, and it it. You know, I, I knew what I could do in the junior level worked. I wasn't sure with the style that I coached if it would work in pro. Uh, you know, I, I placed a big emphasis on development skills where, you know, I think in pro a lot of times, it, you know, it, it or at least when I was in pro, uh, looking back, as a you know, on my playing days, it was a lot about systems and, and stuff like that, five on five. Um, so I kind of had a little different approach to it, just where I did a lot of individual skill work, so I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. And uh, it was kind of neat to see that it would work at the AHL level. Um, you know, and it, not every day was easy by any means, but it was fun grinding through it, and uh, I had a great coaching staff with me, and uh, we just had a lot of fun. So there's a lot of similarities kind of, again, um, between St. Louis and and. uh my playing career and my coaching career, kind of how it all kind of evolved and how it kind of worked out.
0: Well, and I mean, and that tied directly into coming to the Blues. You had a relationship with Al McKinnis. Al McInnis was still very much in tune with what you were doing there because his son was playing in Tucson as well for you. You get a chance then to interview, come up, become a part of the St. Louis Blues again. When you walked into that locker room now as an assistant coach the first time, was it similar like coming into the locker room uh, the first time as a player? Back in the National Hockey League,
1: yeah, you know what? It, it kind of is. Um, you know what? It, it had been a while since I was in the NHL. You know, and it, it was—it it certainly has changed um, what it was like when I was there. It was a lot of older league when I played, but it—you it, um, know—you're not really sure. There's a feeling out period a little bit. You know, uh, and there there was for the players. You know, I do things a little bit differently too than guys that they've had in the past. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, there there was. You know, you 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 tend to sit back a little bit more and survey uh, and kind of see how things you know go and 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 uh, you know how players react to certain things or you know how much maybe scouting video goes into getting ready for a game. I mean you really watch a little bit more, you know, and, and you're kind of taking it in a little bit. Um, you know, I'd been, I'd i I'd, have I'd, having coached in the AHL as an assistant, I'd been to NHL camps before, and then as I had, just, so you went, so the camp wasn't, wasn't as different. Um, that wasn't as shocking, but just when kind of you get into it, you know, and the intensity of things, um there's definitely more people in the stands There's, you know like there's just there's more uh, everything's more intense you know you got to answer to more people things aren't going good army's going to come down he's going to want answers you got you got people to answer to too and uh, that was the thing when you're in the a you, you basically run it you know nobody questions you. you just you're, you're there running it and they trust you to run it and the ohl you're kind of like the GM a little bit, or you know, I, I had a big say in it when I was in Kitchener, so there wasn't as much answering. Where when I came to St. Louis and things weren't going good at the start, <laughs> there's a lot of questions going around. So I mean, it 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 was a different experience than I had ever been through. And, and again, it it just comes down to persevering, and and you gotta you gotta look for ways. You know, I, I think that's the that's the thing. Like if you want to be successful, I, I think in anything if you just sit back and, and your status quo, you might be good for a little bit, but you're going to get surpassed. And I think just always looking, how do you get a little bit better? How do you do things a little bit better when you're always just striving to push and grind a little bit more, you kind of stay ahead of the curve or you figure out a way to get on par. And then it's just, how do you push past it? And, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's what we try to do here. And But, those first few days, it, I can't lie. Like you, you sit back and you watch a little bit, and and uh, you go to school a little bit, and uh, uh, and you still do that. Trust me, I, I'm still that way today. You know, you sit back and you watch, and times you'll even watch presentations. Otter might say something, and you go, "Oh yeah, I could I could use that in my own presentation." Or you're talking to Sean Farrell, and you're in the video office, and he might bring up something. So you're 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 constantly learning. And then you just got to figure out how to apply stuff.
0: What was the final 60 seconds of game seven like for you last year in Boston?
1: I can't lie. It was kind of like my first game pro. I did a really bad job describing you the last 40 minutes because it kind of just went by. Um, for me, it wasn't as slow as what everybody, you know, a lot of people will probably say, you know, it feel like it took forever. That game for me felt like it was over in a blink of a a blink of an eye. Like it, it it was done, and you know I was sitting. Next thing I know, I'm standing on the ice with my parents and stuff, and I'm you know they're all jumping around. I'm like I'm just trying to take this in right now. Like that happened so fast. That was crazy, and you know I I just remember standing on the bench like we scored and we got up and we had a pretty good lead, and I just remember. <laughs> telling the guys, just keep going, keep doing what we do, you know, like don't let it become emotional, you know, and, and that, that's all I kind of remember out of the whole thing, tell you the truth. Like it, 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 yeah, I can tell you details of what happened in the game, but it, it, you know, it just, it went by fast for me. And, uh, you know, it, it, I can't really describe it. You know, it, it was just, I think you get into the moment as a coach and, you're just in the moment, you know, like it, it, I don't know. It's tough to describe. I, I, it it just went by quick for me and, you know, uh, just seeing the guys like get that excited and seeing them. Like that's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things for me in coaching is just, is it's fun to watch your players get rewarded. It's fun to watch them get excited about stuff. It, like, it's all, it's all about them. And she says it all the time. It's about the players and that's what it really is about. And, and yeah, we grinded with them, but they do all the work. They're the guys out yep. there. They're the guys putting it on the line. They're the guys battling through injuries They're the guys, you know, battling through mental, whatever they got to go through. Yep. Um, seeing those guys, Jay Bo Meester win. um, you know, like, Stuff like that. You know, seeing Ryan O'Reilly come here and win. Seeing Jordan Bennington, who was in the minors that year, win. You know, seeing a young guy like Vince Dunn, who didn't take it for granted at all, winning early in his career. You know, a uh, guy like Pat Maroon. Like, all these guys. Steiner. Like, Steiner. I played with Steiner in Toronto. Seeing him win. Like, it was it was awesome. And, and that's... I think that was one of the biggest things, was just seeing... You know, I'm going, man, they did it. You know, we did it. It was it was cool. And then you start thinking about the parties that are gonna happen and all that <laughs> after. But it that was that was a huge thing for me. It was just, you know, seeing
0: these guys and
1: you know, and then after it, it, you know, it, it sinks in. But it took a while for me. That it, it, it really did.
0: Well we're talking with Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryan here on the Boardwalk Carbon floors behind the bench show and once again. We're going to bring you some overtime. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, a little behind the bench, a little BTBOT. Put that one in your acronym hat. Behind the bench overtime. We've got to talk uh, to Mike Van Ryan about one of his uh, closest friends, Jay Bomeester, and also just really putting into perspective the last 18 months as a coach in the National Hockey League. So overtime on Behind the Bench coming your way next. Stay tuned. We'll bring you right back in a moment on 101 ESPN all right we welcome you back into a little extra hockey free hockey right here on 101 esp and a little behind the bench overtime brought to you by boardwalk hardwood floors we're just going to carry this a little bit longer because uh, some of the great stuff we've talked to with mike van ryan we didn't get into something that i really wanted fans to to hear and know so when mike van ryan of course was traded from the st louis blues to the florida panthers for valerie burray he went down there, and that's when he had his most success in the National Hockey League. And, of course, one of his teammates, and who became not only a line mate and a close friend, was Jay Bowmeester. Well, Mike, you came back to the National Hockey League. You're an assistant coach, and one of the guys you are now coaching was Jay Bowmeester. What was it like for you to have to go through watching what he dealt with in Anaheim that day and then coming out of it knowing that he would be fine?
1: Well, uh, Jay and I were really close in Florida. Um you know, and, we're, and obviously we're, we're still good friends. Like you become friends with everybody you coach, especially at this level. It, it was the worst thing. And I, I'm probably not using the word, but it was the worst thing I've ever been through sitting there watching it. It was awful. Cause I know his kids, I know his wife, I know, you know, I, I know his parents um, to sit there and, and watch a guy struggle for his life was the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And it was something that, you know, we all, uh, you know, for the next few days, it was tough to get that out of my brain. It was tough not to think about him. You know, we're all, we were all on the phone with him a lot, calling him, texting him. So we knew he was going to be okay. But it was just, uh, you didn't know until you saw him and then the first day you saw him everything was was back to normal and you were relieved but even when you got you talked to the you know we talked to ray and we knew he was going to be okay there still was you know there's you have all those questions you know is he you know how alert is he going to be is he you know you've got a lot of questions until you sit down and you get to see your friend and you get to talk to him and you get you know you see the smile on his face and he's you know this, you know the dry sense of humor and all that stuff. Then you're relieved, and I tell you, I was in the gym every day for the rest of the year after that because I know he's a lot healthier than I am. So <laughs> it changed a lot of things. I think with a lot of us, you know. Yes, it did. And I think at times you take things for granted, and we all say that, and we all know that. But when you see a young guy that's, you know, that that's, you know. I mean you can't get much healthier than Jay Bowmeister or how you want to live your life and and you know and it it changes how you look at things and and it still changed me today but I tell you though that that time was was tough but the relief afterwards was amazing to see him and see that he was okay and to know that he's going to live a great life so uh it was a bad situation that turned out to be you know pretty
0: positive you know it leads me to to thinking we'll wrap up with this mike i i look at then you know just kind of hearing you talk about your playing career and your coaching career and where it's at you go back to the last 18 months of becoming an assistant coach in the national hockey league expectations nowhere near getting met in terms of success on the ice a head coaching change you know, Craig taking over, the adjustments you guys had to go through there, the call-up of Bennington, an amazing run to get to the playoffs just to get there. Then what you went through in the playoffs from the hand-pass game and, and all the different ups and downs to Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final to the defense this year, the J-Bo – I mean, I, I've got to think that in the last 18 months, just the the coaching experience, you have to feel like like you've lived through a master's degree.
1: Ah, yeah. it's definitely been uh, a quick adjustment Uh, and we've sped through it pretty quick. Um, You know, but that's what I wanted when I came here. Like I, I, I wanted to push myself to get better as a coach on a personal level. I felt that I could do what I had already done at the AHL level and do it again. I wanted to get pushed and you just described it. Boy, did I ever, um, it, but I did it with a great group of guys, and and that that I can't describe that or, or talk about that enough. That it, it just the guys that you go through it with. That's what that that's where the memories come from. That's what's satisfying and gratifying out of all of it is is, is doing it with that group of guys. And that's why we want. Yeah, we went through adversity, and that's what helped us. That's what helped us in the hand pass because we knew, you know, we say it all all the time. We find ways. I mean, we we say we throw that, that that phrase out there, a sentence out there, all the time. We just find ways. That's what we do. We battle through it, and we we figure we figure stuff out. And and that goes to our players too. They know that. They've heard that. They know that. They live by that. And uh, you know what? It, it just it was an unbelievable year. And I don't. I'm sure I'll never go through one like it again. But it it you learn a lot. You learn a lot about your teammates and how to trust. You learn a lot about, you know, how to deal with people. You learn a lot about yourself. And uh, it was just a great, great, great experience, obviously.
0: Mike, it's been great catching up in a longer format uh, and, and, and kind of introducing you in a different way to to the fans out there. Thanks for giving us some time here as we wait for some positive news to get back at things. Uh, I, I hope things continue well for you down there in Florida. Can't wait to get you, you and the family back up here to St. Louis. So thank you for very much for giving us some time this evening.
1: Yeah. No, anytime, Curbs. Thank you. It was a lot of fun.
0: That is Mike Van Ryan, Blues Assistant Coach. You've been listening to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. It comes your way every Wednesday night, 6 to 7 p.m. we'll do it again next Wednesday. Tomorrow night, play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup continues as we replay each and every Blues win from their playoff run. And tomorrow night... We give you the only loss that we're going to replay for you, and that, of course, was that hand-pass game we just talked about. We'll bring you that tomorrow night. Game four against San Jose is on Friday night as Play Gloria comes your way on Thursdays and Friday nights. That'll do it for us. A big thanks to Mike Ryder for helping with the production of the show today. We'll talk to you all for the pregame show at 6 o'clock tomorrow night here on 101 ESPN.